When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. It's Jenkins and Jones presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and easy to use. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long. When you win, you'll get paid fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting, and combine multiple bets from the same game in a same-game parlay and try out Same Game Parlay Plus. So, download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, must be 21 and over in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG. All right, we're excited to welcome on for this episode of Jenkins and Jones and Friends, a, a, a guy I think everyone feels like they're friends with on Twitter, Solomon Missouri, the pastor himself. Uh, Solomon, thanks for hopping on, man. We really appreciate you. Thank you all for having me. So we, ha- we have to open up. You already know we have to open up with the legendary Twitter thread, which I would actually put like if there was like a museum for like the greatest works of art in human history, you'd have like Michelangelo's David some painting by da Vinci and that thread would have to be in there, bro. Just please, for those who, do, I mean, I know everyone's seen our, our dramatic reading of it. I know everyone's seen the, the Twitter thread, but can you just put us in? Was there like, was the light shining on you from above? What was that moment like when you were firing that thing off, bro? <laughs> Man, no, I was in Pizza Hut. <laughs> real one, real yeah. one. Yeah, I was like eating a personal pan pizza. <laughs> and like I said, it was like, Dale Curry about to get divorced. Like, Dale Curry, you've been married for like 50 years. You don't need to be getting divorced. That's like the last thing you need to do. Like, if you're going to do anything, don't get divorced, man. This ain't for you. And so I'm like eating like random slices of like personal pan pieces and drinking like Pepsi and stuff or whatever. And I'm like, 
this this man is having the worst moment of his life, like in public. And the killer part about it was it was like a gospel Christian station that I saw the like the breakup from or whatever. And I was like, man, I just need to like be in prayer for dude because dude about buddy about to go through it. And so I was like, man, I don't know if you're gonna see this or if you ain't gonna see this or whatever. But if you do see this, man, I just need to like. Man, warn you now, like this ain't for you. You, you're not, you're not that guy, <laughs> Dale Curry. Like I can understand that maybe this is like you know somebody, you know, like Mookie Boylock or, uh, you know, like I don't know Muggsy Bowles or Alonzo Mourning. Like oh yeah, you know I was on that that Charlotte team, yeah. and you know like I'm finna leave now. Everybody know me, Dale Curry. You were just like okay from the you know from the arc. I mean you were not. <laughs> A person that we the Western, we know you because of your son, right. right? We know Seth Curry more than we know Dale Curry, <laughs> and so I was like, man, it's gonna be like a really you know an interesting time for you out here in these streets at like tapping on sixty, <laughs> bro. Bro, I legit no exaggeration or hyperbole. I think that is the single greatest thread in Twitter history. I think this nigga eating beans is the single greatest tweet for sure. Yeah. That is the single greatest thread. Like as some. One myself who has you know tweeted out you know classical viral shit. Did you know you had something special by like the fourth or fifth tweet in? Because that's usually when it kind of hits you. Nah, as y'all can see, like I kind of tweet like that anyway. It's <laughs> yeah. all um, a, a bit of madness <laughs> and a, a bit of like whimsy and a pinch of humor and a pinch of like. Mother wit, as my um my my dad would call it. I mean, it's all it's all in that in the gumbo together, or whatever. So I don't really care if it goes viral or not. I I mean, I've been literally tweeting like that for a decade. Right, right, so, right. <clears throat> yeah, th- that's the thing. Like people will will fucking you know hit you up and be like, "Oh, you just trying to go viral, bro? We've been on this shit for like fifteen years, and going viral sucks." I promise you, that is not the goal when we are getting these tweets off, dog. Like once you hit a hundred a K with with like a thread or with a tweet, it's not no money that comes with it. It's just yeah. attention and annoyance. A bunch yeah, of weirdos. Right, 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 right. Did you? I mean, what, what was there like? Did you enjoy it? I mean, people obviously had a lot of fun with it. Or when you saw people, when you saw like our video doing it, do you at some point be like, how many people are making money off this funny thing <laughs> I posted? Like, uh, like was that fun for you, or was it annoying at some point? It's only annoying when it like leaves a certain neighborhood, mm-hmm. like exactly. right when it when it like leaves your audience and leaves the people that you know, and like leave and like it's and it's misconstrued and people like take things um, entirely in a way that can be be perceived sociologically mm-hmm. versus uh, with humor, right? Versus with like um, with with the wit that it was like constructed with. That's when it becomes annoying because I'm like, I, I'm what I'm not going to do is let you misconstrue my words and my right. ideas. I know what I'm doing. I don't know you and I don't know what you're doing, but I know what I'm doing. Right, right. How much of it have you experienced, bro? There was a lot of <laughs> examples of why that man, you know what I'm saying, should stay with oh, the, the woman of his youth. You, you feel about, what I'm saying? You talking about like how much of the dating situation? Yeah, 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 yeah. Every single thing. Every, all of it. <laughs> all of them. To right? like that's you know. <laughs> they trying but, to they trying to bick you they trying but, to bick you but, out here dog but if you out here you gonna run into some people who have like different preferences <laughs> and like different expressions of desire and all that kind of good stuff or whatever and 
Like it's cool because like you with everything until you're not with everything. Right. <laughs> you're really not with everything. So yeah. you like you you think you wanted them ones, but then she be like, no, nah, I really wanted them ones, and then you discover you're not really one. <laughs> yeah, that's when you come so, to a bit of an so, impasse so. there of sorts. Exactly. Um, we need to stop. Do you know if Dell or or Steph or the Curry's ha- um got wind of that? Has anything come back to you on that end? No, thank goodness. Because you know, I'm I'm in North Carolina. Ah, right. you're doing and I, right. And like, I would hate to have to try to fight one of them fish fillet flavored <laughs> people. So I don't want no smoke from the curries, none of that. It's all in good jokes. I pray for you daily, homeboy. I want you to get all the rings that you can get. I hope that you and your family come back together because I see who y'all dating now and it's not where it's at. So yeah. I would chat. Uh, okay, let me, I'll, I'll break a little news to you. I know that Seth has seen it and thought it was funny. Okay, that, cool. I, I, I could pass that on to you, and I don't know about the rest of the family, but I, but knowing a little bit about the Curries, I I think that that would be received in good humor, at least by the boys. Which, as you have noted, that's all you really got to worry about anyway. So. That's, that's all. That's all I'm worried about. That's all I'm worried about. I just want y'all to have a little jokey joke, laugh a little bit because your daddy out here in these streets now, <laughs> and then you know let's keep it moving, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, I mean, ain't nothing funnier than your pops trying to be cool. I feel like every son has, <laughs> has seen their dad go through that stage, and bro, it is, it is, it's, if if it if it's not hilarious, it's sad. And this was hilarious, you know. Yeah, it was. It's there is a form of humor in that bit of tragedy because it's. I mean, at the at the end of the day, like it is heartbreaking, right? Like mm-hmm. that's your family, you know. That's that's the people who raise you and people who love you and people who taught you how to love. And so, like, you don't want to see them unhappy, but you also don't want to, like, see them broken up either. So, like, I get both sides of the argument, but, man, if you're going to be out here at at the game. In skinny jeans, nigga. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Skinny jeans, a biker leather jacket, a big belt buckle. No. Yeah, yeah, no. none of that. Well, I do that. I do feel like I you know, we want to get to know you a little bit and then I know um we did a little mailbag so we've got uh Tyler's got some questions for you from readers who want genuine advice. But I, I we just want to get to know you a little better because you are one of our favorite people on Twitter and I feel like having followed you for a while that Twitter thread was kind of representative of who it seems to me like mm-hmm. you are and that it was funny, but it also did genuinely come from a place of like love and compassion. That, mm-hmm. Like the sympathy for that man really comes through on the thread. Right. That, that kind of seems to be who you are on Twitter. Like you're like us, you're, you're funny, you like having fun, but you could tell that there's a thought process and kind of a heart behind um, what you're doing. So does that come from being a pastor? Like, like, you know, what's sort of your background in terms of having that kind of approach on an app where obviously some people just go on and tweet pictures of poop or whatever, right? Like there's all different kinds of people on Twitter. So <laughs> how did you kind of arrive at, at being who you are through the course of your life? Uh, I think that one of the things that I try to reinforce in my persona and, you know, to be honest with you, there, there are aspects of like Twitter space. that is a persona, mm-hmm. right? Because they don't get to know all of me. And, you know, there's only people who are in my life and who I choose to allow them to share that space emotionally that gets to know all of me. But we share some space and we share some uh, some context. Um, one of the things that I am intentional about doing is being pastoral. Um, so that is being a vector or a space for care, concern, consideration and compassion, uh, but not being a space of condemnation. You do not need that. Mm-hmm. Right. People don't need that. And the relationships that we have with uh, people who are pastory, preachery, churchy, 
is a place of, well, they're cool up until a point. Mm-hmm. And people are always kind of uh, watchful or worrisome about where that place is. Where is the place that is going to be the point of, uh, of con- uh, condemnation or contention or where you're going to say, uh, I have been um, like, this is where you're going to criticize me or critique me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, here's my that, spot. That's, yeah, that's that's not my purpose here. My purpose is to make sure that you have a space where you can be um, and know that there are individuals who I don't have to know you. I don't have to, like, see you on the streets or whatever. But in real and intentional ways, I am concerned about you. Uh, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you are flourishing. I hope that you are finding your way uh, in the madness of it all. I hope that you are seen, felt, and heard. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I try to emphasize the ways that my faith, which is a hope, right? My faith is a hope. It's not a set of regulations. It's Mm -hmm. not a set of rules. Mm -hmm. My faith is a hope for humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, The ways that my hope can be expressed to people that I come in contact with and I come in contact with like a lot of y'all on Twitter. So that's what I do. I might still be in church if I had a pastor like you do, you know what I'm saying? Like your, your, your approach is extremely abnormal. You know what I'm saying? To your mm-hmm. calling, you know, especially in the Bible belt, you feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what, what inspired that? Oh, uh, I can read. <laughs> My nigga. <laughs> yeah. Reading. <laughs> Reading is like very helpful, uh, <laughs> concerning like not presenting and not um, occupying an intellectual space that is full of regressiveness, um, bigotry, uh, hatred, um, and a uh, anti-intellectual bent. Mm. And so um, it is possible for me to uh, occupy spaces where I can hope for the divine and hope for the divine in my fellow human but also occupy a space where I believe in the divine revealing itself in different ways through different people that don't share my understanding and don't share my experiences. Mm -hmm. So I can have a, as they say, belief in God, uh, but not have a belief in bigotry. Mm. So I'm, I'm a vivid reader. I I'm reading like all of this right now. Um, (laughs) I am a person who likes to engage. I I like to be the dumbest person in, in the room full of smart people. I want to be in that space where we are, where like I am building with folks um, intellectually. Uh, and that's, and for some preachers that that's not their thing. They like, they got the Bible and that's it. That's, this is good for them. And I'm like, that's not good for me because right. We can't allow our a prejudice and a particularly, a particularly screwed uh, reading of a book that's thousands of years old to dictate how humans are going to be forever. That's just not the way that, that humanity works. Mm-hmm. Have you received I, any, any, any hate at all? Like being that you approach it in a different way. Have you seen any like blowback and how do you deal with that? If you have. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, people tell me all the time, I'm not a good Christian. Uh, I'm a worker of iniquity as I was told on last Thursday. Really? Is this uh, in person oh, yeah. or is this on, 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 on Twitter? emails like oh, emails wow. people come to my church yeah yeah um people like run up on me just you know just in any if, if they see me and they're like you look familiar yeah whatever uh if you go one or two ways it could be like oh man you awesome or it could be like oh man you know you leading people astray i've, I've been known to lead people astray i'm like well i never wanted you to follow me <laughs> that's there it is where, where, where am i where where would you like me to lead you to right 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 right, right. Um, 
So, yeah, I get all kind of pushback. Uh, but anytime that you're asking people to do something beyond their bigotries and beyond their biases, mm -hmm. they're always going to be some pushback. Right. Yeah. So especially for me, who's I am a southern guy. Mm -hmm. I like being in North Carolina is as far north as I'm going. This is it. <laughs> I respect it, dog. I can't do it. It's, I don't do the cold. I got this vest on, but I swear it's like 70 degrees today. I'm just, I'm just not a, like. Wherever they take I'm the sugar out the sweet tea, person. you ain't fucking with it, bro. I, it, I can't do it. Like, I went to Virginia like two times, and I was like, nah, this is not for me. The energy changes. As soon as I pass over the state line, I was like, this ain't what I'm trying to, you know, be at. And so, but I also understand that there is a particular strain of anti-intellectualism and, 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 um, and reading of the Bible and the books within the Bible that lends towards a, um, an ignorance and a like sustained ignorance. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's like you dumb, but you want to stay dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's, that's not what I'm actually attempting to do. I like, I want people who think of themselves as like faithful to be well-read and to be like curious, like to be curious because think about it. Faith is the premise that there is something beyond what you can know and what you can see. Mm -hmm. There is an inherent curiosity in the idea of faith itself. Mm. So why are the people who think of themselves as having faith not curious? Bro, come in. Why, why do you personally think, you know, as a man of the cloth, why do you think that so many people lean into religion to justify their bigotry it's a safe space it also secures and certifies power um it justifies our abuses mm. it tells us that we are right and makes other people wrong it others and then when and and by the the uh the function of othering it also occupies our little club our little clique it makes us the good ones and others the bad ones for example I mean, you hear about people all the time like, oh, you know, the drag brunch or the drag show or like the drag queens doing like the reading of, you know, like kids books at the school or whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're like thinking, oh, man, that's so awful. You know, they shouldn't. The drag queen shouldn't be doing it. This and the third. But but like think now, but actually think about it. The number of pastors that have been accused of sexually assaulting children, abusing children abusing their position, abusing uh, or sexually assaulting women, like it's in astronomical numbers, right? Even if you're just looking at one denomination of the Southern Baptist Church, they had like had over 600 ministers who were accused of sexually assaulting like women and children. And you're thinking, man, out of all them 600 people, not one of them was a drag queen. <laughs> out of all them people who they were talking about are so dangerous for children to see and so dangerous for children to be in contact with, all of them were people who wear the cloth, wear suits, are supposed to be respected members of the community, are teachers, are lawyers, are doctors, are preachers. They are not the individuals that they that are painted to be the dangers to society. Mm -hmm. And my question is, could it be possible that because we have painted people who have queer identities as enemies to family, as enemies to children, as enemies to um, like the nuclear conceptions of what uh, of what we should be. Have we made ourselves vulnerable to people who are actually predators in our community? Mm. Like from a realistic standpoint, we don't have any kind of equipment to protect ourselves and protect our ideas because we're so bigoted. 
it's it's actually being anti-intellectual is a danger. I've I've got a I mean, first of all, I'm so glad we had you on the show because we the three of us love talking about shit like this. So this is right up on <laughs> this, this, this is this is great. Me? The Twitter thread was great, but I'm like really excited to talk about this. Um I, I, I have a question for you, and if you'll bear with me, I, I need to share like a minute or two about uh my wife and I to sort of arrive at why I would ask a question. So okay. my wife is uh uh racially mixed, but she's basically half Japanese and half black. And she grew up in what I would say, she grew up Presbyterian, very active in the church. Um, her dad was like, her dad is uh, Japanese, Okinawan from Hawaii, and was like a, a very important senior person in his church, helped to hire people. But it was basically a very progressive Japanese Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. And on the black side of her family, a lot of Seventh-day Adventists, very conservative about, mm-hmm. uh, about you know, LGBTQ issues. Um, everything else. But my wife is like very progressive. She's exactly who you're describing you would hope Christians would be. She was a religious studies major at UCLA. She went, she literally was like, I just want to learn more about how people think of these issues because she thinks about them a lot. Um, and I would always ask her, I grew up in a, a, a family of sort of defected Catholics for some of the reasons that you described. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm going to this church and now I know that this priest was doing this stuff, well, what's the... What's the point, right? right? And so mm-hmm. my question to her that was basically passed down, I guess, through my my parents was always, what is the value of being contained in this word Christian with all these people? Like she feels exactly as you described about mm-hmm. being frustrated about the bigotry and stuff that people out of convenience would attach to the name Christianity. And I would always say, well, doesn't that bother you? You know, like what, like why would you want to put that word on yourself if you see Mm-hmm. evangelical white Christians doing all this stuff, right? And she, you know, I mean, basically, we it's not like there's no right or wrong answer on either side of it, obviously. That was always kind of the question I had for her. And her answer was basically that be, being within that sort of umbrella, she didn't feel associated with those people because of the word. But I'm kind of curious for you as a pastor for <clears throat> your thoughts on that, because you clearly do see yourself as standing apart from these other negative strains of how people would use a shared faith that they might have with you. Um, so is, is that something that bothers you? Is that something that you um, think about, I guess, morally, as opposed to just sort of like the, the actions that you're taking? I'm, I'm just curious for your thoughts on that. Uh, yeah. So let me give you three things. Um, one, grateful for your um, journey and grateful for your wife's journey. That's important to acknowledge that we are all having like these conversations yeah. because people discount that. Um, I'm actually still occupying the space known as church because I believe in hope. And I believe that in many cases, church spaces can be a place or a vector of intentional good. Now, that does not disqualify or negate the real harm that churches have done and allowed to be done because they thought they were saving themselves Mm. by not actually calling out and calling people to be accountable for their harm. That does not negate that. Mm. That does not disqualify that. That does not erase that. Um, Who? I am in pursuit of 
the integrity uh, or the uh, Socratic space that Jesus the Christ occupied. Mm -hmm. And that Socratic space, that questioning space, mm -hmm. is how do institutions that have retained power serve the marginalized? There's a question of the gospel, and that question of the gospel is, what do we do with the least of these? Do we ignore them? Do we overlook them? Or do we bring the margins to the middle? Um, the only place where I see that question as the engine of their actions and purposes is the church. It's not evident in our businesses. It's not evident in our governments. It's not evident in our social organizations. The only place where I see the question of how do we make the marginalized the middle is the church. And so then it's a question of power. Third thing, how do we democratize power so that it reprioritizes those who have been harmed into direct action, given direct action, given um, a sense of direction and influence over resources, tangible resources. I'm not talking about like just being the head of something at a church. I'm mm -hmm. talking about if you have a million dollars, the person who is affected the most is in charge of the vision mm. that we have for the tangible resources in order to say how this best affects and best serves the community. There is no other place that that question should be. Now, it's not always because, I mean, listen, I understand that space, uh, faith spaces have been a vector for political games and like po politicking and, you know, mm -hmm. like foolishness. I get it. But there's still that question. And that question still is um, compelled from the life, the action, the interactions of the Christ of how it is that we serve the least of these. Man, that is the only reason why I'm here. At the point in time where we abandon that question, I'm going to do something else. I, I've always thought about like starting a smokehouse in <laughs> Bucksville, Alabama. I'm going to go and like smoke hog meat and read Chaucer because that's all I really want to do. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, I just, I'm just going to echo what John said, man, that if my interaction <laughs> with um, religious <laughs> religious leaders in, in my community have been more like the interaction we're having with you, I think I, I would have grown up feeling very differently about a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sure. So, so, so I'm, I'm a bit interested in, in the journey of Solomon. Um, I know you were born and raised in Alabama. You're living in Durham now. Shouts to the Bull City. Like, yep. how was, was, was this something you always knew was your calling? Was there like a pivotal moment in your life that immersed you in your faith or? Okay. So I can talk about like, I've been in ministry for over 22 years. Mm. So most of my life I've been doing this. Um, I've been doing for the first decade of ministry i was probably the most intellectually inefficient um and more um resembling your average fire and brimstone preacher mm. more resembling you know your, your average um you got to live right type preacher you you know more resembling your average uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps type politic um, for the first decade of ministry. 
Um, I went to seminary. So always I was like, gave my life to the Lord at seven. Always, you know, wanted to be like a good type of dude or whatever. I took a class in seminary from a lady named Nancy DeClasse Walford. And she was an Old Testament uh, theologian. She is an Old Testament theologian. She ain't dead. She's still in like Atlanta. She's cool. <laughs> um, and she was she like her her specialty or her area of of, um, of study is in the Psalms. She like writes about the Psalms, all that kind of good stuff. And she talks about like the emotional equipment of the psalmist. This this school of writers called the psalmist. Um, and she in class one day asked a question, and that question kind of like framed or reframed how I go about and how I occupy or deploy um, my thought concerning ministry. And it was a really simple question. She was, just, she was like, okay, um, what if the helpers that God has sent us are same gender loving? Now we were in class, we were talking about, you know, uh, the, the Bible and man and woman and all that kind of good stuff or whatever. She said, what if? The helpers, and she went through the whole thing. She on the on the board. She uh, did the um, the Hebrew uh, like syllables and the phoneticism and all that kind of good stuff. And she said there was no gender to the word helper, right? Helper. And she said, okay, what if God has purposed in creation that our helpers be same gender? Mm -hmm. Like you can you can have a strong helper. That was the word in Hebrew. Strong helper that was a man or strong helper that was a woman. She said, if that's a possibility that a person can be a strong, can like be your strong helper, then it requires us to imagine the possibilities of the text in radically different ways. Now, some of y'all say, well, that ain't nothing. But if you're considering like from the outside in the implications of the divine purposing this text in ways that are beyond simply the words on, that are on the paper, like that's going to make you dig a little deeper. Hmm. And she wanted us to dig a little deeper and to fight for it. Don't just allow your faith to be something that is given to you and was crammed down your throat, but he fight for it. Like <laughs> go back, and make sure this is something that you believe. Make sure that you are deconstructed and make sure that you are purposefully, with intent, building it back. That was my deconstruction. That day in that class was my deconstruction. From that day on to this day right now, I am questioning the text. I am questioning goodness. I'm questioning kindness. I am questioning everything. Because being a part of the Socratic community that Jesus was a part of, which was questioning the purposes of the temple, purposes, purposing uh, and questioning the purposes of those who are occupying the temple. Do you want to be seen? Do you want power? What do you want from this thing? Is this about acknowledgement? Is this about platform? Like, what is your work in the earth realm? Right. If you're coming from that aspect and vantage point, then you're more likely to say, wait. I need to reconsider like how I'm using what I got. Do I want to build somebody else up? Is this all about me? 
do I just want to be seen? Do I just want to be heard? Or do I want to make ways for other people to exist and be uh, healthy and be whole? That's interesting because so many people, like I, I remember being in a church where I was told not to question, not oh, to man. question. You know what I mean? And I'm coming back from yeah. college where I'm taught to question. You know what I mean? And I'm reading the Bible. I read it twice and I'm thinking like, this don't, this ain't, some of this shit ain't adding up based upon what I've been learning and what I'm thinking. It's just, you know what I mean? And it's just beautiful to hear you say that from in your position. You know, question, question these things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's okay to question. And you should question. I don't, not mm -hmm. that it's okay, but you should question these things. I think that's important, man. You know what I mean? Sure. So I'm going to applaud you on that for sure, for sure, G. Thank did you. you. Did you ever have a moment where you kind of became, you know, jaded with your faith, with, with, with Christianity? Heck yeah. I'm <laughs> jaded right now. I'm kind of like country. Right? Like oh, people, <laughs> like I'm punchy, I'm punchy. Um, and it's because I understand harm, right? One of the things that um, is difficult for a lot of Christians to understand is in this moment where we don't know what to actually be Christian about, mm -hmm. what to be outraged about, what to be um, upset about, it's because we have been armed with the wrong tools. Come on, man. Y'all really care what two other people do in their bedroom? Really? Are you do gonna we get up in really window? care? You know what I mean? Come <laughs> right. on, man. I, I mean, the only way that it affects you is if you're going to go get up in there with, right? But we have been taught that this is some kind that we have a religious, socio-religious privilege to uh, to interject and, and uh, affect the lives of others, the happiness of others, the well-being of others. Because of our religious bent, man, that's not religious freedom. That's religious domination. So yeah, I'm I'm punchy, man. I I be upset all the time, but I don't care. They gonna they gonna hear this voice, man. I I got this out the mud. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah. I, and again, but, and this is the other reason. All right, so like all of those Christian voices that you hear, and like they 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 feel as if they are under persecution and they're like you know the world doesn't like uh doesn't like god and all that kind of good stuff man they go back to church on sunday they're fine they're mm -hmm. okay they have literally no material effectiveness by the actions that they've taken against others there nothing happens right the lady who was who didn't want to make cake for gay people like her life was fine <laughs> right she went and made like 13,000 other heterosexual cakes, right? It was not a problem. <laughs> the, the lady who was like, who didn't want to do, uh, what is that lady's name? Kim in Kentucky or something like that. It's an old, wild lady. Looked like she's been, never been to Supercuss or nothing. Like, <laughs> like she she didn't do them like, she, she said, I'm not going to do the, like the marriage certificates or whatever. She went back to like hit and spit Kentucky and like she was fine. Hit and spit. She was okay. Right? They all go back to their communities of origin and they're fine. Nothing happens to them. The material goods of their life are not affected in any way. But what happens? What about like trans kids who are struggling to be loved and struggling to find care and like don't deserve to be bullied, don't deserve to be harmed. Like they deserve to have a chance because we know that most trans people don't make it towards like at, to 40. Like that's, that's a real number like we understand that like because they can't receive care because there are material realities that affect their mental health 
because we know that they're bullied, because we know that they're killed, mm. right? There are material effects for these social ideas that are seen as religious ideas. But that's not a part of your gospel at all. So, nah. I'd be like, nah, but you, you go back to those communities and nothing happens to you. You just want to be able to dominate other people. You want people to be subservient to you and subservient to your um, articulation and expression of the divine. But there are real like, and serious ramifications when it comes to bigotry. Our like Christians who deploy bigotry and who use the Bible as an expression of hate. There are real consequences to that. Mm. And so that's why I'm like, yeah, no, you're going to go ahead and get it from this end because I can't allow you to continue to harm people who suffer under you while you are creating this theater of oppression. Mm. I'm excited to get to these questions, Tyler. I like, like, like genuinely. I mean, I thought when you brought it up, when Tyler brought this up, I was like, oh, that's a cool idea. That'll be good content. But now I like really, I really want your advice on the questions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's four. 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a good talk right here, for sure. All right, well, let's let's just hop into it right now, and let's dig into the mailbag. All right, first one is from the homie Silas, and it says, Dear Pastor, why are so many churches refusing to meet the spiritual needs of under-18 members? Why can't churches talk about evils that go beyond the Ten Commandments and extend to racism, corporate greed, and the environment? Mm. All right, so this is one that, actually causes us to uh take into account the way that we one 
understand gospel. So understand what it is that Jesus is um, suggesting, advancing in creation. Uh, two, the relationship that we have with the document known as the Bible itself. Like, how are we using it? What choices are we making in deploying it? Uh, and then three, the actual training and the ways that we are equipped to build um, healthy community. So I'm just going to go from healthy community um, at whole. One of the problems that we have when we talk about or think about uh, the evils of society beyond uh, like gender, beyond the way that gender has been um, co-opted to be a, a manifestation of the demonic, right? Uh, beyond sexuality, beyond like women being the enemies of the church because they want to be in charge because of feminism, um, <laughs> is that we don't and have not built healthy community that understands that environmental racism is, is a serious and real thing that has material consequences in the earth and people who are forced to live near landfills um, have higher rates of asthma, have higher rates of cancer, have higher rates of like just overall um, genetic and health risk, right? Um, but then the other part about this is we think of these as um, eschatological <laughs> aspirations, eschatological, that which is in the end. Um, and so rather than thinking about the material realities of folks down here who going through hell, we position the ultimate question in the Christian community and context as, are you going to heaven or hell? I don't care about that. Mm. That ain't my business. Mm. Your eternal destination, if you're going to have one or not, I don't know. It's not my business. Mm. I am a pastor. I'm a person who is concerned about your material realities on the ground. We are boots on the ground. Christians are boots on the ground. Are you okay today? Do you have enough to eat? Do you have somewhere to sleep? Are you being cared for as far as your health is concerned? Like Christians are boots on the ground, divine communicators of compassion. But because we have deferred or outsourced the reality, the material comfort uh, to the question of, are you going to heaven or hell? We say we don't have to deal with that. We don't have to deal with people being uh, knowledgeable about their bodies, knowledgeable about consent, knowledgeable about the uh, ramifications and implications of the justice system upon black and brown folks. So we say we don't have to be knowledgeable about that, concerned about that, careful about that. Because if you can answer, yes, I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus, then you're fine. And my positioning is we're not fine. If we create hells, we're not fine. If we create the conditions for people to have to live, position, operate and exist as immoral just to get by, we're not fine. So if we live under the thumb of a capitalistic uh, authoritarian system, we are not fine. But that goes back to an ethic, right? Um, are you just hoping for people to go to heaven or are you hoping for people to be whole? And so that's one of the reasons why we don't actually equip ourselves to talk to, talk to, talk to directly to the issues that concern people under 18. Like, you know, are you going to be able to like breathe the air in 10 years? Like is like, are, are, are you going to be able to afford a place to live next year? Mm -hmm. How do you pay back the loans that you got? Because we it, we've deferred the question to heaven or hell, 
And the Bible says, don't be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. Oh, that's a bar. Um, Damn, um, something, you know, that's kind of an extension of that, you know, in regards to kind of the generational gaps there. Um, I feel like our generation, my generation, you know, we grew up where our parents were heavily immersed in the church. Our grandparents yeah. were heavily immersed mm-hmm. in the church. Our grandparents' parents were heavily immersed in the church. And I don't think our generation is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I my family is Southern Black Baptist. I think that that is 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 the root of who I am, of, of who my family is. I I think that's more of a categorization of the culture because you know the the, <laughs> the the church and Christianity is such a staple in our family. Even though you know a lot of us aren't avid churchgoers, like none of my friends my age are avid churchgoers. None of my cousins my age are avid mm-hmm. churchgoers. And I think it's because we got we we got deterred a bit by the hypocrisy. We got deterred by. You know, being sold this notion of an all compassionate, all loving God who didn't like gay people, who didn't mm-hmm. like women having children out of wedlock. You know, um, uh, you know, uh, church Christianity is supposed to be built around philanthropy. We're not seeing our church do any community outreach, but pastors pulling up in a brand new Benz. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think uh, my generation got jaded on shit like that, and yeah. we steered away from the church. So I'm curious, you know, as to how you feel about that. How do you do? You think that is a legit problem where it seems that, especially in the black community, that Christianity and being avid churchgoers is something that's going to phase out with with you know our generation and upcoming generations. Uh, yeah, definitely church is on the decline. And I think that one of the problems that we have in the institutionalized church, the institutionalized church is simply a organized, um, functional or structured church is because, let me say this, there will always be people who are operating with the ethic of community at heart. Somebody's always going to be the church, right? There's always somebody reaching out, always somebody opening up, up their doors, letting kids in, be like, hey, have y'all had something to eat today, mm-hmm. right? At the at the end of the day it's always gonna be somebody who's out there saying hey sis you know you ain't got enough to pay your light bill let me go ahead and cover you on that whatever it's always always gonna be somebody doing church right but it may not always be the institutionalized church and for me that's okay right because i'm not called to go to church i'm called to be church Mm -hmm. that's an entirely different thing um a lot of what we do in like faith spaces is platform building and popularity building. Mm. And we're doing a lot of stuff that allows us to be seen as like prosperous and happy and whole as if this is um, as if I am living the lifestyle that you are aspiring to and I can lead you to it. Let me go ahead and help you through that. Everything I got on probably cost twenty four dollars. <laughs> I got this on Amazon for twelve dollars, and I got the pants for sixteen. <laughs> I was happy as a, as a pig in slop, um, because I it's it's not like that. I don't need that. I need to be covered. Like I, I and I everybody want to be fly, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I I'm saving up to get me you know my first pair of Jordans. I want to be fly or whatever. But do I want to have every pair of Jordans? Do I need to have like I got like my car? Do I need to have three more? It ain't but one of me up in here, right? <laughs> I got a house. How many more houses do I need? Um, If you got a chain. Okay, cool. You got a chain. How many of them can you wear at the same time? But then here's a better question for people like me. I'm prospering, making myself well, making myself prosperous. Off of the life's blood of other folks. What am I leading them to? Mm. If I'm leading them to the same thing that like, you know, 
baby and them leading them to, then they can just go follow baby. Because hmm. he's doing it better than I am. <laughs> <laughs> like, I ain't got none of that. You know, I got like a Volvo, like, and, you know, a dead car. Um, it, what, what am I leading them to? Everything in our world tells us that it's never enough. Like everything is about chasing the bag. Everything is about like being getting more. Everybody want more. I and I get it. I understand. There's never a place that tells you that you have enough and that you are enough. Mm. You're never going to be happy because you're never going to have enough and you're never going to be enough. One of the pressures that we have when it comes to like finding intimacy and relationships and dating is that because we never come to a place where, where you know we say I am enough and I have enough. I'm always chasing something more. Mm. I always need somebody more. Nothing is filling that hole. I'm not satisfied with them. So, man, these people get up on Sunday mornings, man. They got like Burberry like stuff on and like Bollyman stuff on. And like, I don't, I don't even know how to sell that stuff or whatever, man. I'm like, <laughs> that's wild. Because, buddy, what you're telling me is that you don't feel like you enough. You feel like that you got the ball. You feel like that you got to like just like be everything that, that's out there. You, you're not showing me that I'm cool. I'm good. I'm okay. It doesn't matter what I have on. Like I can love in ways that are real and that are substantive and that are not showy and not for performance. So we're insecure, even in, in church, even in faith spaces, we want to be the cool spot, man. Now nah, don't be the cool spot, man. Be the careful spot. Be the spot that's compassionate. Be the spot that's caring. Be the spot that says, man, you know, in order and rather than have like a Burberry shirt, man, I had a little target shirt on. It's $10, but I can go out here and bless somebody and they be good. They'll be good. And I'm still fine. And we don't have those kind of spaces. It's because we're insecure. You 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 spoke to the sustained ignorance too. You know what I mean? And I feel like the world's changed so much in our lifetime, more than yeah. probably the whole all the three generations before ours. You know what I'm saying? So it's important for the church to change this in this in this yeah. generation, maybe more than it's been in the generations prior. And it hasn't. And it, like you said, it's yeah. that sustained interest that people just hold on to those same ideals. And like, we ain't going for it. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So I think you kind of spoke to it earlier as well. We were talking about how people just want to say the, say and believe in the same shit. You know what I mean? From the generations prior and prior and prior. And that was cool then. But it, the world has changed 28 times in the 40 years I've been here. You know what I'm saying? But but one of the, the issues that we have, like in faith spaces, is we are, as you talk about, you know, doing, doing the same thing over and over again, is retaining a body of politics that is not in the best practices and best um, advantage for our people. Right. So you talk about um, how we, we can be like socially or commu uh, communally social, but like personally uh, conservative. Um that's not in the best interest mm -hmm. of our people, mm -hmm. but our faith spaces keep projecting and keep teaching and keep forming us to inhabit and embody and practice a body of politics that's harmful mm. to like the souls of our people. And we just don't grow up and we don't grow out. Right. We don't continue to equip ourselves with a body of knowledge. Man, the people that I look up to in ministry, man, those are like curious people. They got like congregations of 10 people. But like they're the 10 people they got are all PhDs because they want to learn <laughs> like they want to be in, in concert with people who are curious and people who are outstretched. They, they they don't like just read John Maxwell 
white Christian dude who writes about uh, leadership. They mm-hmm. don't just like read John Maxwell or whatever. They're reading about like everything. They're reading about like the body. They're reading about uh, biology. They are reading about quantum physics. Like they want to know. They're, mm-hmm. They don't understand half the stuff or whatever. They don't care. They just want to know. They want to be exposed to everything. And so the question that I have for our faith communities is not, you know, can we just continue to perform or practice or exhibit ways that we are the standard of success? Because people come to church to look like they're successful. Mm. They come to church to show off. But when can we begin to embody an ethic, a, a body of politics that shows us that we are curious, that we are careful, and that we are looking to help and be compassionate in creation? That's real. All right. Next question. Uh, we are definitely switching lanes here as <laughs> the subject line here is FNF, but I don't want to be for the listeners who might not be aware of that acronym. That means fuck nigga free. Shouts to Glorilla. Uh, so this is some romantic advice that is is being solicited here from from Dr. Love, Pastor Missouri here. Uh, okay, so hello. And and the, the writer was Cat Jazz. Hello. Big fan, longtime listener, and OG follower from Twitter. Shouts to you, Cat. My question is how do I get over getting ghosted by a nice guy? She puts nice guy in, in, in quotes. We didn't have a disagreement or anything, but he hasn't responded to a text or reached out since we last talked. A few days after we hooked up, he said he might be busy with work. He's an entrepreneur and has a demanding job. Besides coming to terms that my pussy might be trash, I'm having a hard time moving on. Unlike with other guys that I know for sure weren't about anything. Any advice? Help. <laughs> Man, I read that I question like three times, man. <laughs> so, like one, um, continue to say, you know, FNF, you know, as always, we want to move. <laughs> A motto. <laughs> yeah. Um, two, I'm sorry that like that happened to you and that you experienced that. Like dating is extremely difficult and it's extremely rough. Uh, and so I don't want to disqualify like that pain and that expectation that you have because one any person that's out here dating is put a hope on put their heart on their shoulder if you dating and your heart ain't on your shoulder you you don't need to date go back in the house because you just like you ready to be mean you want some sex ain't nothing wrong with that but like if you're dating if you're looking for some form of real connection your like your heart is out there mm. and I don't want to like laugh at nobody for like putting their heart out there because that's real. And, you know, you want to be able to say that that matters and it does matter. Um, I don't know about, you know, your sex or whatever, because, you know, hopefully it ain't trash. But if it is, um, they got toys for that. They got they got they got <laughs> things you can put in, into the, the thing, the, the situation. <laughs> we have um, technology. Yeah, I'm like we, we have, have the technology. <laughs> we have the technology. All kinds of stuff out there. Um, but then the other part about that is this: people do have busy jobs. That's that can be a reality. That can be a truth. But I hate when people like say that they're that busy. If you like know that because you do all this work to meet somebody to know somebody and like to have sex with them or whatever and they like no nah, i'm not gonna call you no more at least you can say it's not nah, like that wasn't a good interaction that mm-hmm. wasn't a good engagement you know that's not something i'm looking forward to do again and that's difficult to hear 
Um, but at least you don't have questions. Um, and then sometimes people say, oh, you sh she could have moved differently. But it ain't nothing that you could have moved differently if somebody was had like in ulterior motives the entire time. Mm -hmm. So don't even like double, you know, like question yourself or double guess yourself or whatever. Um, you know, your heart's in the right place. You're looking for love. That's cool. This ain't the one. Take the time that you need to, to get off the board and stop blowing that man's phone up. He don't he don't need your calls. He don't need your texts or whatever. Don't put your energy in that. Go to a boxing class and beat up on somebody who letting you spar with them for a little while and, <laughs> and, and for that duration. But don't don't even pay buddy no extra mind. Just just let it go. Gotta charge some shit to the game, man. For sure. Yeah. 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 And that's hey. unfortunate, but it's real. Also, that ghost charging shit to the game is a religious principle. Yeah. Charging shit oh, yeah. to the game is a religious principle. That's a fact. The, the ability to release and say, "What well, I mean, <laughs> it's above me. It's beyond me. There's nothing I can control about it." That's an important. That's an important. Regardless of your life outlook, you need that skill for sure. Yeah. Also, yeah. ghosting folks is cowardly too. So he told us he Facts. told you something about himself there. You know what yeah. I mean? So. You, you uh, it, it feels probably like she didn't win, but she won. You know what I mean? Yeah, if someone ghosts kinda... you, pretend you found out that they beat their mom up or something. Yeah, because right. basically that's like what you found out is you found out something about that person that should make them someone you would not want to be around. You you found out you fuck nigga free because this fuck nigga left your life. You feel me? Yeah, you, got <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> All right. Next uh, question here. Subject here is I need advice like real bad and like real bad is in all caps. So she got some shit to get off her chest here. Uh, this is from our listener Essence. She says, hey, y'all. So I'm going to get right into it. Earlier this year, my roommate Craig asked me a very heavy question. His sister Mary was living with their mama and going to school in Pennsylvania. When she was closing her sophomore year, she ended up getting pregnant by her boyfriend, who is now 22. Mary and Craig's mama was incensed. She urged Mary to get an abortion several times, letting her know that she was done raising babies and that Mary was not going to live in her home if she remained pregnant. Well, Mary said, fuck all that and kept the baby and their mama kept her word. In the span of a week, Mary was homeless and knocked up. The boyfriend's family said she couldn't live there and she was essentially forced to transfer to a local school to finish her education. Craig asked me one night if Mary could stay with us. He explained the situation, and of course, I empathized and felt so bad for her. I agreed to it. Following a conversation emphasizing that she would help out around the house, take care of herself, and move out prior to her giving birth. Now, this may seem harsh, but I am not prepared to live in a house with a baby, especially one that is not mine or related to me. Craig agreed to these terms and asserted that he also didn't want Mary to stay with us once she had the baby. And let her know that these were the terms. Mary accepted, but I'm starting to think this half of forgot. <laughs> First of all, she barely does her part in this house. We're lucky to share a three-bedroom, two-bath house with in-union laundry and brand-new appliances. Mary does not clean the kitchen. She's never swept or mopped and only washes dishes she's personally used, even if the sink is full otherwise. She does not have a job, so she doesn't pay for anything. Occasionally, she'll use her boyfriend's food stamps to get groceries, but asserts that they are hers alone. She uses my bathroom for everything but showering and has never taken a Clorox wipe to, to a single surface. Um, she lists a whole bunch of other habits here that are that are not too hygienic that I think I'm going to, you know, cut short for the, yep, for the yep, sake of yep, brevity. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> um, okay, 
Lastly, I have no idea when she's leaving. We've collectively had several conversations reminding her that she cannot give birth and remove to this home with, and, and return to this home with a baby. Craig has talked to her one on one. She asserts that she knows this, but there is no plan in sight. She's about seven months right now, and the day draws nigh. We, I will not live in a house with an infant. Let me tell you that right now. My question is, should I talk to her individually about her annoying habits and when she plans to leave, talk to Craig, or just shut the fuck up because she's having a baby and that in and of itself is hard? I'm conflicted. My nature is genuinely easygoing, but I hate not feeling comfortable in a place where I pay rent and have the high-ass utilities. Please help because I'm losing it. Yours truly, nobody's auntie. <laughs> God damn. She said, fuck them kids. Nobody's <laughs> auntie. You me. Um, man, this is like a really difficult question because the American social safety net is like trash. Like, mm-hmm. yes. The ability of a person to, and there's a few things that I just, the, the Holy Ghost just, just told me in that little uh, question I'm, I got to come back to. So, um, yeah, the American social safety net is, is trash. But, um, Your boundaries are important and thinking through what you're comfortable with is important as well. It's an act of compassion, like even to let somebody like occupy your space. And I get that because I am in a three bedroom house and I don't want nobody else up in here with me. I like being in my alone. It is my preferred state of existence. I have been naked practically 20 years of my life. This is awesome okay get up i make coffee butt to the world great right then <laughs> like you wanted to have your space to yourself or whatever and so uh and and let's be clear most people wouldn't do what you did mm-hmm. most people wouldn't like open up their house and open up their home like most people who are christians wouldn't do what you did because if they would we wouldn't have so many people in orphanages now right all these people who talk about like, oh, well, we pro-life, go get you a kid. They out there. Mm-hmm. They waiting for you, buddy. You ain't got you ain't got like, you know, stop moms from having, you know, getting abortion. Go to the abortion, go to the orphanage, go and get you one. So don't discount the fact that you even let this person into your home. I get that, right? That's a reality. And you do need to talk to your roommate about your level of comfort because you're not, this is he's not doing you a favor. By being your roommate, y'all got to be roommates to survive. This is a real type of situation. And with being in that situation, it comes respect. And like there's things that I can do now, not being in here with anybody else that I could not do with living with somebody else. I then I wouldn't do with somebody else was like simply visiting. That's just a level of respect and a level of uh, efficiency that you have to keep the home and the house at when you're living with somebody else. If she there. She can't just be taken up, you know, she's pregnant. Lord, help her. Help her be pregnant. Help her do the pregnancy. But at the same time, like, you you got to care for yourself and you got to make te- make sure that you like being respectful and honoring boundaries. And so if we have to have a conversation about boundaries and have to have a conversation about, like, how we are um, existing in this space together, you can do that with compassion. You can talk I about agree. what you, yeah, with, 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 with compassion. You don't have to be, like, you don't have to nut up at them and like pull out your Glock or whatever. Like be like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna sit this at the table. It is what it is. You can leave today. You can leave today. You don't have to do all that. People, people know when they when they move in greasy, right? It's not a secret. Shotty noticed she was she was living greasy. It's a reason. It's a reason why she had to leave her mama crib, right? Beyond like the, the child type situation. 
people knowing that when they're being greasy and she knows she can step up. And so keep that before her and also keep before her the reality that you need your spot back. You did this because she was pregnant, but you also need to see. And it's really so difficult, mm-hmm. right? Because what can you do when you're pregnant with like seven months pregnant? You're like visibly pregnant. No, that's what I was going to say. Like, it, it, it's almost compassionate to have the conversation sooner than later. But so, right? like, hey, I'm not trying because I mean, I know when my wife was seven months pregnant, I wouldn't ask her to move from the one couch to the other side of the couch. Right. You know what I mean? So, yes, saying like, hey, you're seven months now. This is what the boundary is. I'm coming to you with compassion because I don't want to come to you when you're eight months pregnant. Yeah. Or when you're holding a baby and say, you got to get the heck out of here. So, yeah, I think that, like you said, though, these things oftentimes get presented or they get answered with this sort of like sitcom type thing of like, well, do you let her live with you forever or do you physically kick her out of your house? Like you said, there's so much middle ground Mm -hmm. to still operate with compassion while being firm about your boundaries. Right. For sure. And the other part about it is like you don't deserve to be miserable in order to accommodate somebody else's existence. Like that's not God ain't called you to do that either. Right. Real shit. All right. Next um, question here is bro. It's from Julius. Bros, what's the word? Thanks for what y'all do and the laughs and insight you provide. Only question I got for the God Solomon is this. Tulum? <laughs> that was it. <laughs> <laughs> these company oh. californians got on me for the way i mispronounced that fucking word i try to tell them bro it's east coasters we we vacation in the caribbean bro like atlantis the like yeah. that's our tulum dog atlanta is a tulum so uh, <laughs> so yeah atlanta, tulum, tulum. Man, that's, that's like the capital that's like the mecca for like all hot girls on instagram tulum if you go on instagram and you like somebody in a bikini they are, they are like Tulum. They are, they are like in Mexico right now doing hot girl activities. So if you see like hashtag Tulum, you already know what time it is. <laughs> like it's margaritas and madness. It's Tulum, baby. We up. <laughs> All right. So, so here's the last one here. And this is from Thomas. Um, so if you fail to love the wife of your youth and the inevitable split happened, what options are available to a black man of means with grown kids in prime earning years? P.S. Not interested in women under 40. All right. So I thought about this, man. Um, one, I'm sorry that like you, um, that you had difficulties in your uh, previous relationship. So I want to acknowledge that. That's a reality. That's real situation like people go through divorce every day i'm divorced i get it um two options uh, and this is something that like a lot of times guys don't think about and consider um dating is a reflection of the communities that you occupy one of the problems that we are experiencing in dating is that we have commoditized it And that we have made it a reflection of consumerism. So you go on the app like you do all the other apps and you are looking for a brand Mm. and you're looking for like a you're trying to make a purchase decision. (laughs) That is not what a relationship is about. A relationship is not a purchase. A relationship is a synthesis. It is a active work between you and another human being in order to cultivate something called love. It is a synthesis. It's a mixture. It's more chemistry than like procurement. Mm. We want to go out and like get somebody. 
and bring them home and like make them fit right in this thing that we were doing before. That is not a relationship. Once you go get this person and you go like bring them into your space, into your life, the life that you had before is gone. The life that they had before is gone. You all are doing something different together. Mm -hmm. Right? This is a totally different thing. So there were like three things that were interesting to me in his question. One, where do I go in order to like date success? All my kids grown or whatever. I'm trying to have daddy gotta have his life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So the question I would have for, for them, one is this. What are the communities that you occupy presently look like? What communities are you involved with? Um, If that's a faith community, fine. If that's a social group, fine. What are you doing beyond yourself? Because those are the people that you are in contact with, right? The people who who share the same qualities and same values as you do are going to be reflections of the communities that you occupy. This is all about where you, like where you, if it's a motorcycle club, like what quality do they have an motorcycle club? If the if it's the barn, it's different kind of barns. Like what kind of spots do you go to? Where are you at with it? Second thing is, what are you doing beyond yourself? Are you cultivating compassion, consciousness, and consideration in real and tangible ways? Like, are you are you a nice guy because you want other people to say that you're a nice guy, or are you like actively trying to advance care in the earth? Now. If you just want to be out here because you want to be out here and you want some hot boy stuff, which is cool. Like, do your thing. Acknowledge that. But also acknowledge the foolishness that comes with it. Because mm. you're going to get the foolishness that comes with it if that's what you're trying to be on. You're going to sow, you're going to reap whatever you sow. Whatever you're putting out, that's what you're going to get in, right? Um, But if you're trying to do this in like a different way, you have to be conscious of the communities that you occupy. The second and third thing that I found to be interesting was he said that he's a man of means. Okay. And two, he's in his prime earning years. Brethren, that has nothing to do with you dating these people. It has nothing to do with you being a healthy partner. That has nothing to do. And I, and I understand the pushback to that because it takes resources to accommodate and facilitate love and care. Right. Mm -hmm. And then it's free. I understand understand that at a, at a like granular level, at a like foundational level. None of this is free. It takes you know you got to have money to do things that you're trying to do in life. But your ability to like earn is not a reflection of your ability to care, <laughs> being a good partner. Um, and we don't tell men that enough. Like your competency as a partner, as an intimate partner is greater than your paycheck. Like your direct deposit does not mean you have a competency to care for this person in real and intentional ways and ways that uh, speak to who they are, right? So you have to be able to describe yourself in ways that are relevant to the activity that you want to participate in. You trying to find a relationship or you trying to manage a portfolio? Because <laughs> if you're trying to be a, like a money manager, you should definitely tell people, that you are in your prime earning years. <laughs> but if you're trying to like actually, if you find trying to find a woman and somebody who's stacked up, you need to tell them that you can do more than like just be, be, be a check because that's a that's a uh, basement level expectation. 
And women are asking us for more than just like basement level Fact. expectations. You got a check. Cool. You got a car. Cool. Everybody has a car. They sell millions of them a year. <laughs> Can you think? Right. Are you participant in like care when I need something? Not money wise. If I need something emotionally, can you take out time? Can you be considerate? Like the ways that I make the most mistakes in my relationships is like I I was thinking about all the stuff that we could like spend money on, but it was the time that she was really asking for. She wanted right. me to be like be aware of how she was feeling. Mm -hmm. Be aware of what, you know, like she was going through. Not try to fix her, but try to listen to her. You know, so again, then finally, but it was <laughs> but it was like um uh, I'm a man of means. But what are you what are you telling women? Because if you're telling me this. Then I notice how you leading with women. So you got to we got to really think about how we're leading in these conversations beyond trying to lead with our bread and then be upset when people after our bread. I think you put it out there like that. Right. I think an important piece and we're old enough now that I've got several friends who, are, you know, are, are on their second marriage or looking for a relationship after a divorce. And I know some that so my wife and I have been together since we were 18, which That's fortunately we were, we were, we were young and broke enough. It was like, of course we don't have any money when we got together. We were fucking 18 years old, right? Like all of the sort of like Twitter stuff about dating, we just didn't have to worry about it. But I know that's one thing she will always tell people. And I always tell people is the more honestly you present yourself, the more honest, the response you're getting from someone is right. So if he's out here looking to have fun, Go to places that people have fun and be honest about what you're looking for. <laughs> but like you said, if what you're doing is you're telling someone you want to be with, I'm a man of means, that's the that's not a good sales pitch unless what you're looking for is someone who wants to be with a man of means. And I don't think that's what, what most you're people looking are for. looking for. Right, right, right. You're looking right. for someone who wants to have fun. And so I think, you know, be honest about that and seek at those places. But don't, yeah. yeah. I, I have yeah. the same reaction. So, it's not a good pitch to say I'm a man of means. Because, I mean, right. listen, if you looking for hot girls, you're going to you gonna run into hot girls with hot girl activity. And, buddy, they're going to spin and they're going to win. <laughs> and they're gonna do it better than you're gonna do it. So you gotta understand, especially if you if you like, you know, late 40s knocking on 50, but that ain't what you wanna be in, man. Listen, cause they they have the stamina for it. <laughs> they can like spend your bread. And all that you can do is like take them little blue pills and just be stretched out and have like heart competition. <laughs> you don't that's not the business you're trying to be in right now. Stress. You're trying to be, be with somebody who's steady, who like ain't gonna mess up your credit. We ain't gonna have you out here fighting in the streets, you know. Who not gonna be on Instagram typing up like stuff like "Look at this nigga," you know. That, that, that's not what you want right now. You want something that's gonna be like stable, right? Right, right, um, right. So, nah, don't don't come out here leading like that, man. You know, and the other thing, brethren, and this go for me too. You out here trying to date? Have somebody else take some pictures for you. Have somebody else take your profile pictures for you. Why is the, the camera so close to your nose? Why can't we see your <laughs> nose hair? Why, why, why is it looking like you know you off center or whatever? You looking like you you and we stay. We're always staring at the camera in a way that's perpendicular to the shot, so it looks like we're suspect of the camera. Um, we don't trust the camera. Have somebody else take your profile pictures, upload them that way. Stop taking pictures with fish in your hands unless you're trying to find somebody who like farmers only 
<laughs> like, have somebody help you with your profile that can actually talk about the things that you want, who you are, and what you're trying to do. Yeah, we call that so, functional I, advice. That's functional <laughs> advice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that um, him wanting wanting a woman forty plus here adds a new wrinkle to this, and I, I want y'all to follow me with with where I'm going here. Right? Okay, so. You know how our parents try to give us job application advice, and it's so outdated. Like your mama will tell you, you need to put on a suit, go to some offices, and right, ask right, need to right. shake some hands. Right, right, shake <laughs> some hands, give them your resume. That's how you get a job. And you know, we got to come back to mama. Like it's 2023. Mm-hmm. We apply, we pick up our phone, we hop on Indeed, we apply to 50 jobs a day until we get one. Right, like that's how that shit works now. Okay, so to bring that back to this, like if you're 25 years old or whatever, and you go through a breakup and you want to get back out there dating, you know. What do you do? You fire that phone up, right? You hop on Tinder and get the swiping. You start going crazy with the likes and the new pics on IG or, or, or you know, to throw that bat signal up or you slide in some Twitter DMs, you know, much in a way that like, you know, we apply for jobs on our phone these days, like younger folks hop on that phone and they find a new romantic partner this very same way. Now, if you want a 40 plus year old woman. You're going to have to listen to mama's advice on this one. <laughs> you're going to have to pound the pavement, bro. You're going to have to you gonna have to hop out there in these streets. You're going to have to find some cigar lounges. <laughs> you're going to have to find some karaoke spots. <laughs> right? Yeah. And this man said he wants a black woman, so you're going to have to go to karaoke spots where they're singing Mary J and not Taylor Swift. Right? You're nah. going to have to hit some goddamn all-white Labor Day parties. you got to keep your ears to the streets on when uh, when SWV is coming to your town <laughs> to, 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 to do a show, right? you got to get on that, you know, get that the best place to find women of a certain age who are single is Saturday morning, 10 to 2 o'clock, Home Depot in the plant department. That's when they have off. Mm. That's when they have time. What I tell y'all, Saturday, bro. They headed they hit to, to Home Depot alone. They're going to get the plants together, especially now because it's starting to get warm. Yeah, They out there. They fin- And they the people with all them kids, they're not going to Home Depot. They're trying to get as much sleep as possible. I said 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. You got to be on time. And you're going to know who they are. You're going to see them walking, whatever, getting their little plants together, so forth and so on. No ring on. Go up to them, ask them, hey, do you need some help getting the most to your car? See if they're interested in it, if they open to it or whatever. Sunday, Target. Run through Target. You're going to see whoever out there, whatever, whatever. They open to it, they open to it. Places that are functional, man, anytime the AKAs or the Deltas come in town, you need to be right there with them. <laughs> Matter of fact, join a chapter, uh, grad chapter. Be out there with them. You know, do things, be places and in communities. What I'm talking about, like, what kind of communities are you occupying that reflect the values that you are trying to attract? Because if you're not in, you're like, I tell people all the time, like, don't date in church. I don't, because I think it's like a place of spiritual healing and repair. But, shucks. And not every church, because, like, my church got a whole bunch of old people in it, which is fine. Uh, old people <laughs> need Jesus. They really do. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, a church, it's got, like, it's, it's some baddies in there. Go to church. Not my not my church. But go to the next <laughs> church. Because <laughs> you ain't going to be messing up my church. I'm going to have you, like, nah, but you got to go. Um, but go to church. I mean, go to a place, go to a community that reflects the values that you're trying to attract. Like, do it in real intentional way. You have to change, like, move how you move. You can't just be waiting for to attract people who like the things that you like. So, like, men go 
to the cigar bar, cigar bar and try to find women who smoke a cigar. But that's what you like to do. That's not, but that's not, it may not be the type of people that you're trying to attract. The woman who in the cigar bar, she may not be the one for you. She, she might be a hot girl. She's just 40, bro. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> She's she trying to do the same thing you're trying to do. That's, that may not be where you're trying to be, right? Well, I think Home Depot, Target, and Church is, is the definition of functional advice. Uh, Pastor Solomon, thank you so much for hopping on with us, man. I think that was funny and also super informative for our listeners. Thank you to all the listeners who wrote in with questions. We appreciate you guys, too. But, Solomon, thanks again for hopping on, man. We really appreciate you. Appreciate you, Thank man. you. For self, for self. Show, it was a great time, man. Fire the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full grate sear zone so you can put more food on the flame. Food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes and cleanup is easy. You can also add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert to up your game. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood Pellet Grill. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.